I had a very abusive mother and she basically did not love me unless I was perfect. And so I learned to be totally perfect, to be worthy. And yet our yeah. heart tells us that's not true. All of those things, even organized religion, it's like our inner knowing sense that we connect to a source and God and love and our creator every second of every day, especially when we're in joy and gratitude. Yeah. And yet the mass consciousness paradigm is, no, you have to walk into a structure and have some crusty old person standing in front of you telling you how to connect. Yeah. So like we have to go back to the inner knowing inside us and yes. have the strength to disrupt those paradigms. Welcome to the Women Waken podcast, where we help women navigate relationships, personal healing, and how to build self-confidence and trust for a better life and brighter future. I am your host, Whitney Walker, and today I welcome to the show the spectacular Renee Linnell. Renee is a refreshingly honest author of the books The Burn Zone and Still on Fire, which I just read and could not put down because it's so remarkable, the stories of this woman's life. Renee shares with us about how embracing crises can help us in our process of transformation and how we can stop looking outside of ourselves to try and accept ourselves and stop giving away our power. She also shares how we can begin to shift our inner critic into a loving supporter so that we're more able to enjoy and be at peace in our lives. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and here is my guest. Hey, Renee. Thanks for joining us on the Women Waken podcast. Hi, Whitney. It's nice to be here. <laughs> it's so exciting to have you here. And Renee, I have to say, I'm slightly amazed that you are here today. I just have to say that after reading your book, which you sent me, and it was so sweet of you, and it's a lovely, amazing book, still on fire. And... <laughs> The stories in it, Renee, I like my, my jaw was literally dropped during half of the book. I mean, what a life you've had. Yeah, it's been a big life. Yeah, I mean, so much has been packed in there. And I mean, great, exciting experiences from like surfing all over the world and meeting all kinds of different lovers and friends and people to dance with and celebrate with. But then also, you know, near death experiences and wild coincidences and synchronicities and dire situations yeah it's a crazy ride your life is <laughs> it is and it's fun to have people reading about it now <laughs> and all the commentary and feedback i'm getting is awesome oh have fun yeah and so much kudos to you for writing it you know getting it all of us have a story right all of us yeah. have things that happen and we often will say oh everyone says i should write a book and i want to write a book but most people don't right but you did and now we know once you create something like that, that kind of a creative birthing of something, it's a gift that keeps it gets it's now in the universe and the world for people to read and enjoy forever. And it does feel like it's it's the sequel to my first book, but they both feel like my divine gifts to the world. I mean, there is no way I, I wasn't gonna write them. I had to. It was my calling. Yeah. And your first book is The Burn Zone. So, you know. Could you share with us, Renee, if you had to wrap your life up in 20 seconds, how would you explain what you've been through in your life story? The first book, The Burn Zone, is my memoir of being in a Buddhist cult and being brainwashed and taken to the point of total patient and finding my way back. And then the second book, Still on Fire, is starts from the end of the book tour of The Burn Zone 
into the future, but flashing back to the past. And that's all magic, miracles, travel, and romance. But I would say the underlying theme of both books is that we betray ourselves because we're taught from the moment we're children that we're not okay the way we are. And we're bombarded by messaging from this world that tells us we have to change to be loved and to be worthy. And that's just not true. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you bring that message through in your story because your stories could just be a lot of different sharing around adventures you've had and exciting things that happen, but you're so blunt. Like another thing that caught me off guard was things that you would drop insights and honesty. And I was like, oh, okay. She just said that. Like she just went there. And I was like, how refreshing. How nice that she, because, you know, sometimes you read books like this and it just makes you feel like, man, I guess I've done nothing with my life. And I guess, you know, I haven't really been through much, but then you reveal what was actually going on for you and a lot of these things and other challenges you had and the reality of it. And it helps to remember that we all have our gifts in life and our challenges. Yes, and our vulnerabilities. And unfortunately, we're taught to hide a lot of our trauma or our insecurities or the ways we failed. And so in my books, I celebrate them and I share them with the reader and I fail tremendously and spectacularly and full steam ahead. And I think it helps the reader kind of go, oh, my God. I should start laughing about some of my failures and celebrating them and sharing them. So I think by me being so vulnerable and raw, it really encourages the reader to also be vulnerable and raw. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it does. It does. And what I like about how you write and what you share is that I feel another underlying message is that the whole entire piece, every piece of your life is important. The whole thing. It's not just the successes and the good days and the victories. It's the hardest times and the most devastating times and the most defeating times that all make up our beautiful life and growth and evolution on, on this world. Well, Angie, think about we're in these bodies for such a short amount of time in this life. And we signed up to experience all of it, you know, the ups yeah. and the downs. And we would never appreciate the ups if we didn't go through the downs. And so I think... Again, in my writing, I think it kind of helps remind the reader that, no, we're supposed to go through these traumas and tragedies and heartbreak and devastation. Yeah. And that's what makes life on Earth so rich, really. And then we grow from that and we become much better people and we have a lot more fun in life when we realize, like, we can go up after the downs. Other people have done it and we can do it, too. Yes. Yes, definitely. And that will come. And I think that speaking and writing to this is important because we've all been at that sort of very low point where we think, I don't want to do this. This is too much. I'm so tired of this. I'm so lost and frustrated and I feel so hopeless. Right. But then you can read something inspiring and it can just really ignite what I believe is our life force, right? That's yeah. It's our soul. It's our piece that we are of the universe that says, ooh. There's still more. There's always more. There's always still life. No matter how far down we go, there's always still more life because life is never ending. Right. right. We, you know, we pass from this life and then we just have a whole nother adventure. Exactly. But so often within life, it can feel like this feels like the end. This feels like there is. This isn't worth it. This is too painful. It's too hard. I'm not good enough. I'll never accept myself. So I don't want to do it anymore. And so all of us joining together in unison and harmony to share our sentiments, both dirty and the beautiful, is important. 
It's incredibly important, I think, and especially sharing the harder times because then we realize so many of us hide that, especially with social media, right? People put out how the only pictures where you look beautiful and happy, everything's great. And I don't think we talk enough about how hard life is in a human. It's very hard, but it's also incredibly rewarding and wonderful. And the more authentic we are, the easier it is and the better it is and the more fun it is. Yeah, absolutely. And another part that I like, because, you know, you spoke to how challenging life is and how hard it is. And it's especially challenging and hard when we don't know who we really are. Exactly. And you talk about that. And that's another great thing. You intermix this amazing life story you have with these deep, profound spiritual truths that you've come to realize. And also some crazy synchronistic and fortuitous events that are just wild. We can get to that more later. But I love that, Renee, because that is what's missing in our world is what I believe. Life is a challenge because it's meant to be. We don't, if we didn't want to be challenged, we would stay up in the absolute spirit realm always, right, right. you know, but we come into physicality on earth to experience what we really are, to have these challenges, to have these experiences, to think, oh my God, I am such a magnificent being because I can know these great highs and these low lows. We don't remember it while we're here, but it's why we came here. But when we don't know that, that's what brings us to the greatest points of despair is because we don't realize that there's nothing at stake here and that how we look here, what we accomplish here has no bearing to our true soul essence, to what we ultimately are and will always be. Right. And that's a very scary, lonely place to not know that. Well, and again, we're bombarded by messaging that tells us we're not okay the way we are so that we'll buy all their products or whatever it is. And we forget that each one of us is unique. Each one of us has our own unique divine mission that we signed up for and that our earth walk is not going to look like somebody else's. And the body that we picked is the perfect body to do what we came to do, the skill sets that we have, and then our weaknesses are the perfect combination of skill sets and weaknesses. And so... It's like we have to detach from all that messaging that tells us that we're all supposed to be alike and that some sort of weird financial accomplishment means success and drop back into what little things bring me joy. What brings me joy and how do I create a life around the tiny little things that bring me joy? And then how do I offer my own unique skill set and divine gift to the world? And then life becomes so much more fun. It it does. And it, that's what it's meant to be. Right. And to your point, I think that's why most of us don't experience life that way is because we're messaged from the time we're born that there's this box about this big that right. if you get that, then you win. You win the jackpot. You're you got it going for you. If you're out of that box, sorry, you should you know, you shouldn't feel good about yourself. You should strive always to get into that box, get that money, get that recognition, get the looks you want. And, you know, I don't want to knock those things because I think there's also something to say for you can still want to like how you look and feel good about how you look, right. but not have that be based on whether or not you deem yourself acceptable or lovable or worthy. And basing what you look like based on what the media tells us is beautiful. You know, it's just, yeah. it takes so much strength of mind to combat all that messaging. And I feel sorry for all of us, you know, especially women, you know. Yeah. And I think that's why you and I do the work that we do. And I think that's why we felt a calling to start speaking to it and sharing it is because I think we sense at the depths of our being that we came here at this time to help shift things on earth, to help shift us into a place where 
we don't feel like these disconnected lost souls that can only find purpose externally, right? Okay, well, if I can produce something outside of myself and have others like it, then I'll be okay. And please don't let me fall outside of that because if I get rejected by my peers, by my family, then there's no way I can like myself. And there's a part in your book, Renee, where you talk about betraying yourself. And you said, when many of us get into this period where we're like, okay, do you think I'm pretty? Can you please tell me? Because I don't know. Can you tell me if I'm successful? Because am I smart? I don't know. Can you tell me? And why do we do this? Why do we ask everybody else and feel like we can't know it ourselves? I think we were conditioned as children because as children, we always had to look to the adults around us to be approved of. Is our behavior, are we behaving properly? Are, are we doing it all right? Are we good little girls? Are we good little boys? And mommy and daddy say, yes, good girl. Or bad, you know, and the teacher says, yes, good girl or good boy or whatever. And so it gets trained into us to look outside of ourselves for validation and for sense of self. And are we lovable? And, and are we worthy? And It totally makes us powerless. It hands all our power to those people outside of ourselves to say, tell me if what I posted on social media is likable. Tell me if I'm sexy. Tell me if I'm worth talking to or getting to know. Tell me if I'm successful. It makes us powerless. Totally. And I don't know about you, Renee, but I I do often wonder, I know I've made progress, but sometimes it feels like because it gets in there so early, it feels like it's almost in your bones. This like, doubt of yourself like oh I just don't you know there's things I'm still hung up on that I'm still not sure how to fully release it and it's definitely gotten better right like I feel that relief to me it's called freedom you know Mm -hmm. to me love and freedom and God are all the same word it's that sense of your true essence and the reality is that there's nothing holding us back there's no conditions we have to meet to be worthy or to be free but we keep ourselves in these invisible chains that just as you said we created because of the messaging We don't have to be pretty or look a certain way. We don't have to. But we tell ourselves, I am locked down because I'm not good enough. I'm not attractive enough. So I'm going to keep these chains. And I think that a big part of it is going to be changing the message from an early age. And that's what I really hope and believe the changes. What's happening right now is that there will come a day where everything is different and how we conduct ourselves and the messages we send to our children, how we raise our children, how we educate our children, because how we're doing it now just gets them so deeply entrenched in these false beliefs about ourselves. That are so limiting. You know, so everything limiting. we're handed, all the paradigms we're handed are so incredibly limiting. Yeah. You know, you get a job that you hate, but it's safe and it pays the bills and you find a partner that's safe. And even if your hearts aren't filled with each other anymore, you stay together because you're married till death do us part. And it's all yeah. these scarcity, lack-based, fear-based, limiting paradigms that we're just handed as children and we buy into and we believe until life comes along with a sledgehammer usually and shatters us and then we start kind of questioning everything. Yeah, yeah, which is what we need to do. What we need to be doing right now is to question everything. And because I think all the time we created the world the way it is. Right. It didn't just show up like this. It was created this way over time. And so we've created this system that we believe is, it just is. It's what, it's the way things are, but it's only because we made them this way and we can oh. re- recreate them and make something different. Right. Based on the inner knowing of our heart, right? Like our inner yeah. knowing tells us we watch our bodies heal themselves. We watch our cuts heal. We watch our hair grow. We watch our nails grow. We know that our body went from fetus to infant to child to adult. And yet we just, 
easily buy into the paradigm that our body can't heal itself and we need a doctor or Western medicine. Yeah. Or like our heart tells us what we love to do and that we do it with so much joy and so much success in doing it. And yet the paradigm is, well, you can't make money doing what you love. You have to do a job you hate. And yet our yeah. heart tells us that's not true. All of those things, even organized religion, it's like our inner knowing sense that we connect to a source and God and love and our creator every second of every day, especially when we're in joy and gratitude. Yeah. And yet the mass consciousness paradigm is, no, you have to walk into a structure and have some crusty old person standing in front of you telling you how to connect. And yeah. So it's like we have to go back to the inner knowing inside us and yes. have the strength to disrupt those paradigms. Yes. Completely, completely. And it's so frustrating because there is so much potential for healing ourselves, but there's so many limiting messages about Oh, well, if, you, if this happens to you, there's nothing you can do, right. you know? And I would love to mention something your book is about that you were able to heal yourself, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that that's so important because you healed yourself from a virus that people will say like, oh, once you get that, you're, it's done, right? Right. And it's such a big stigma, right. you know, to be like, I'm tainted because I have this thing that can never go away. But now it's gone for you. Right. Well, right. and for listeners, I write in the first book in the burn zone about going through all this, everything I went through. And then I found out that I had herpes, that my spiritual teacher had given me herpes. And I was so devastated because I was like, I'm finally coming back. I'm finally putting my life together. But now I have this thing that makes me diseased and I can't ever date again. And how am I yeah. ever going to, and all of that. And then in the second book, it's still on fire as I'm starting to like date again and get my bojo back and all of that. I end up with this one experience where... I'm with somebody and he's scared of the whole herpes thing. And we end up talking about it. It's actually like this huge catastrophe in the bedroom at the time. But I end up doing this deep soul searching thing around why did my body manifest herpes? Why would I have manifested that? Yeah. And I realized it was to keep myself safe so that I wasn't dating while I was healing. But it was also based yeah. around these old, I was raised Catholic and these shame-based, fear-based paradigms around sexuality. And that I'd manifested dis-ease in my second chakra. Um, and so when I did all the clearing around that, I went back to get tested and it was gone. My blood and my exam showed no trace yeah. of anything. So can we acknowledge that for a second? That everything I've ever heard is, oh, if you get herpes, you have it for life. Nothing you can do. You are. It's nothing. And that's why it has such this strong, terrible stigma we've created around right. something that a lot of the population has. And it's right. that big of a deal. Like we all have sex, we all get wild and we all don't use protection all the time. Like it's not, right. it doesn't mean that you're dirty. It means that one time you had it with somebody that had a virus. And, but that's just one example of so many things in our world where it's like, if you, if, if this happens to you, then there's something wrong with you and you'll never be cleared of it. But the fact that you don't have it anymore shows that it's just not true. That, and that's where I get a little bit frustrated with the lines between science and spirituality. I respect science. Science has helped us, made great achievements and advancements. But when you say, make absolute statements like that, that's damaging. And it's not true. And it blocks and, and disregards the spiritual nature, which is just as you said. Everything that happens in our bodies is a result of our manifesting it. It's just the truth. And it does become very real. You know, when you get cancer, it's very real, but it's often the manifesting of a block or a dis-ease within your body that's not, that's constricted. 
right? right. Or something that's, like you said, protecting you or, or showing an energy block in your body. But it can be cleared. Everything can be healed. And they've shown that over time. People don't speak about it, but there's lots of people who have cured their cancer or other sort of death sentences. Right. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of stories. And so it doesn't many. take much time. A five-minute search on the internet and you start finding books and books. And, yeah. and when you think that our blood is constantly replenishing itself, our cells are constantly replenishing itself, it makes yeah. zero sense that a virus would stay in your body. With Western medicine, if we have virus, you know, and we need pharmaceuticals and we're lifelong customers and we're constantly <laughs> buying. And that's a whole rabbit hole. But I know. I think science really is just desperately trying to prove magic. Basically, we have all this magic and miracles and mysticism yeah. that all the saints always knew about and children know about. And then science comes along and just tries to be able to prove that it's actually happening. Yeah, exactly. It's Science is proving evidence of something that was always there. Right. right? So and that's what frustrates me is that when people say, well, that's not possible. It's like, no, you just haven't. It just hasn't been proven. That doesn't mean it's not happening every day all the time, right? Like you said, things that we can do now that are backed by science would once have been seen as miraculous and magic. Right, right. So what I hope to see is that people begin to embrace and explore that. Because I will say that I understand people who are like, well, you can't just try and cure cancer on your own. Like It doesn't work for everybody because... In your book, you talk about that you were in a place in your life when you rid yourself of the herpes virus, where you were very attuned and you were able to visualize and see that the blockage, the darkness you saw, it was that fear. It was like these beliefs you held in that area that kind of created right. that disease. But once you can kind of bring light to it, it's everything you know will become. If you can't truly know it, it won't happen. So if somebody just says, oh, well, I don't have cancer anymore, if they don't know it, like truly believe and know it, it's not going to change. But those with such strong knowing abilities, it will. And to me, I mean, people can argue that, but I feel like that's the true nature of the universe. Because any, what is any science development except for a belief in something that creates a result? Well, and I do think our bodies are so incredibly wise. And so then asking, you have to have the moment. I had to have the moment of thanking, asking the disease why it was there and then thanking it and saying, you protected me for six years. The six years that I had to use all that energy to heal myself, to find myself, to come back from being broken, to understand and heal all my childhood trauma. That was not the time to be dating. It was not the time to be having reckless sex and distracting. And yeah. so the herpes really helped me not do that. And so I was so grateful to that dis-ease in my body. And then it also pointed out where I was holding old lack-based, fear-based, scarcity-based belief systems that needed to be cleared out, especially yes. around like the most magical part of my body that creates new life. And they can experience such pleasure and yeah. enjoyment and yeah. sensations. Which is another thing I love in your book is that you really talk about embracing sexual exploration in any in its many forms and sexual liberation and enjoyment and being okay with that. And it's so important. I think it's so healing for us. And when we find uh, attraction's not up to us, when we're attracted to another person, it's not up to us. And yeah. so I always believe that's the current of the divine coming through us so that we will connect with that person. And when we come together, two bodies merging into one through sexual intercourse, it's absolutely magical. And it's, it's so love-based and so light-based and life-affirming and 
all this magic miracle sparkle city passion romance how could that be bad and how could that spread disease it makes no sense it would spread love and light is what it would do what it does yes definitely and that's another part i just read in your book is that you really encourage people that you know if you find yourself first of all meeting someone is never an accident there are how many billions of people now on this planet and we're only ever going to meet how many? And we think that's just happenstance. We're drawn because I think our souls plan to meet who we meet. So I think there's a reason why we come into contact with people. But also it's a good analogy because you're a surfer. So you know about being attuned to the motion of the ocean and like riding away, like you just got to go with it. And to me, it's the same thing. When you feel chemistry with someone, we get in our heads, right? And we're like, should I do this? Should I not? Maybe this isn't right. And but if you sometimes you just got to go with it and let it kind of ride itself out and see where it takes you, you know, and sometimes it might last for years and sometimes it lasts for like a week. And we get all these ideas in our head again because of messaging like, oh, well, maybe I was just being used or maybe this or that. But maybe it's just you had the energy exchange you're meant to have and then you move on. But I think we often fight so much against the tide, right, against the wave. It should be like this or it should have been like that rather than just get in the flow and ride it. Well, and then there's the self-love piece that's so important, which is when we truly love ourselves and we're not looking for someone else to validate us or love us or make us feel protected or safe or worthy, and we're doing that for ourselves, mm -hmm. then when we enter into romantic relationship, we're entering in whole. We're not entering in wounded and needy and empty. And so yeah. then as an adult, mature woman going into relationship if i meet a man i'm not like ooh. if i sleep with him is he going to be the one now it's like i don't know this person but i'm feeling called to be romantic with him but i can't guarantee that he's going to stick around so am i okay with this being a one night thing if it's not more than that and then i'm not betraying myself by entering into it thinking there's something else so i enter in just for the experience of it which is so healing and so fun and so playful and so helpful yeah. And it's exactly what it's meant to be. I mean, we right. come into relation with others for an experience that we can't have on our own. Right. You know, because we are, we have duality here. You know, we're all one ultimately, but on earth, we get to have the wonderful experience of you're you and I'm me. And what can we do together? Like, what can I right. feel from your presence, from our interchangings, from our sex, from our laughing, the things we do together? What a beautiful thing. Right. But just as like you said, we, we sometimes, we don't trust it and we question it. And another part I like that you said is even if something isn't perfect or we're struggling in a relationship, you really have to let it run its course. Yeah. Um, and that's not to condone people staying with someone who's violent or abusive. But again, to you, even if it's not exactly what you thought it would be, it's, it's still its own ride. And I think I appreciate that because I've been kind of going through that lately where I've been seeing someone where there's this amazing chemistry, but I'm like, no, it, I need to stop. It needs to end. I need to move on. I need to make space for the person I'm meant for. And this isn't it, but it's not over yet. And I can just feel it. I can just feel that it's not quite done. And I even got a tarot card. I like tarot and Oracle cards. And the other day that said unfinished symphony. And to oh, me, that was totally it. It's like, you got to let the symphony finish. Our chapters of our lives are not done until they're done, until that beautiful final last note, and then we move on. Right. Right. And we don't know the soul contracts we have with another. And, mm -hmm. and we don't know the soul contracts our friends have with another. And so I've learned it's so hard sometimes to watch 
friends in bad relationships and then you think, but but I have no idea what their contract is. And yeah. and I know for me, trying to walk away from our relationship before it's run its course never works. I mean, you always get pulled back together. Yeah. And, or you get drawn into another relationship that's exactly like the one you just left because you haven't learned the lesson. Yeah. So Renee, I feel like you have reached the point where you are in this life where it seems like you do go with the flow and everything feels like I welcomed adventure. Like, okay, this is what's happening now. I'm going to go with it. And you seem to be able to enjoy things as they come to you. But you also have spoken in your work about experiencing crisis to be a liberation. And I guess my point is that I feel like you are where you are today because you first had to go through crises that liberated you that I imagine were not very pleasant at the time. But I'm wondering if you do look back now and say, I can have gratitude for those and be thankful for those because they opened up a deeper understanding and freedom. I have tremendous gratitude for everything I've gone through because they did open up a deeper understanding and freedom. And I wouldn't undo any of them, even though they were absolutely crushing when they happened. And it's interesting because I just flew back from Argentina last night and I was expecting to get home the day before, but then there were all these problems and I ended up stuck in Colorado Springs in an airport hotel. And and I noticed as everyone else around me was furious and upset how much I've learned now. The universe knows exactly what she's doing. And if I'm stuck in Colorado Springs for the night in an airport hotel, pay attention because there are people I'm meant to meet. And so then I become hyper-present to the woman who's serving me breakfast and the person who's checking me in at the hotel and the sweet person who's helping me at the airport. And I realize, you know, there are probably 60 people I met in 24 hours that I never would have met if I had just gotten from point A to point B and all those beautiful interactions. And so I think when life takes you to the point of not wanting to be here anymore and wanting to quit, which it took me to, And then I finally had this talk with myself where I said, honey, you can leave. We're all allowed to leave. But if you, why don't you stay one more day and do everything that you would miss? And everything that I would miss were simple things like coffee in my favorite mug and watching the sunrise and calling my brother and going to bed in clean sheets and cozy clothes and hot tea under a blanket. And and I started realizing that that's what made me want to be here. And then the interactions with people and... I do think now I do go with the flow because I realize I have no control. I have no control over my travel situation. So I could be in hell and angry for 48 hours or I could enjoy all the people I'm meeting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And what a wonderful perspective change. Do you think you would have felt that way earlier on in life at different stages? No, God, I was hideous earlier. Honestly, you know, people who met me, they say, no, you're wonderful. But It was all about me. It was about getting ahead. It was about becoming, quote, successful, whatever successful meant, you know, having people think that I was smart and think that I was beautiful and think that I was accomplished, men finding me attractive and making lots of money, you know, and all of that nonsense that you realize becomes total nonsense when you're on the brink of suicide. Yeah. And now it's just like kindness and gratitude and what does the universe have in store for me today and yeah. I always pack my carry-on so that if the universe has a different destination in store for me, I have PJs and I have a toothbrush and I have an extra change of clothes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so great. I love that. <laughs> Could you share a little, Renee, because I think that a lot of people who hear about your life and your experience, you were a model, you traveled the world, you had dated all these amazing 
sexy men. And for a lot of us, it's like, wow, like she must have been so confident and just so happy and felt like you're just the luckiest person in the world because to to be that beautiful and recognized. But did you feel that way at that time? Oh my God. I was the most insecure person. I'm still pretty insecure. Honestly, I have to have talks with myself all the time and deep breathe. I was incredibly soul sick. So even though I had this beautiful life from the outside looking in, I had this deep, deep emptiness and sadness inside. Um, I never, ever felt good enough. And I still struggle with that. Like today I went snowboarding for the first time this season and I was so nervous I wasn't going to be good enough, even though I've been doing it for 40 years. I was tango dancing in Argentina and I was so worried I wasn't going to be good enough. But at least now I catch that because I had a very abusive mother and she basically did not love me unless I was perfect. And so I learned to be totally perfect, to be worthy. And so I'm constantly having to just have really sweet self-talk and go, honey, just show up and do your best. And and then the looks thing, she actually tried to kill me when I was young by smashing a glass like sculpture in my face. And I had all this reconstructive surgery, which I repressed and suppressed and didn't know about until I put a face mask on for the first time. But I could never figure out why every time I looked in the mirror, I felt ugly. And I still, every time I look in the mirror, I have that, you're ugly, you're ugly. I don't know who told me that or taught me that. But so, yeah, from the outside looking in, you could be like, oh, she has this great life and all that. And it's just a constant kind of self-love and soothing inside my own mind. You know, it just, it's the way I would talk to my three-year-old child, honey, you're perfect just the way you are. You're beautiful. Just be grateful and be kind and, and be open to what the universe is presenting in each moment. Yeah. And isn't it just amazing when you say that, that, I mean, we talk about social media and stuff. We look at that and we say, gosh, like if I just had that, then I bet I would be so happy. And I'd be so content, but there's no truth to it. You know, all of that is is hollow. Because just as you said, I mean, you you said that you would look in the mirror and say, I'm not beautiful, but yet you were getting affirmations from men and attention from men. But to me, I, I think of it as people can pour water over your head, but if you don't drink, you're not going to get satiated. You're, not, you're still going to be thirsty. And to me, that's what all externals are. It doesn't mean a damn thing if you let it just wash right over you and you don't believe it. You don't hold it. Right. You just oh, whatever, that means nothing, nothing, nothing. You know, you can get a million compliments and still say, yeah, but that one person said that thing that one time. And that's the thing that I ingest like a a pill, a a toxin. And that's what I hold in. You know, that's also a question, Renee, is why do we do that? Like, why do we all tend to have this tendency to take the two insults and push aside the hundred compliments? You know, again, I think because our survival depended on it when we were children, you know, when we did something wrong or bad, we risked being thrown out of the home, which meant death, right? Or our tribal background, if we're thrown out of the tribe, we die. And so we're just hypersensitive to pleasing, to people pleasing. And so I think that, you know, that one comment that we're not good or we're whatever bad in whatever way or not attractive, it triggers kind of this like, life or death response in us. And that's why we hang on to it. And so again, it takes tremendous strength of mind to unwind. And I'll even say to myself, honey, you know what? That person said, blah, blah, blah. But that person doesn't understand you. She's not you. She doesn't know you. You have to let her think whatever she wants. And people who think bad things about us are hurting inside because kind, happy people usually think good things about other people. And so now I even say, you know what, if it makes her feel better to think those horrible things about me, then I'm doing another act of service. 
I'm helping them feel good by right on me. And what a great place to be in when you recognize that what, someone's words are not truth. Right. They're not the gospel. And it can feel that way, I think, especially when you're young. And that's why I struggled when I was young. And my heart goes out to the youth because your world is not very big yet. All you know is first, you know, your parents and you're like, well, what they say and they believe I get, it must be the truth. Because what else would we be taking from? We have no other sources except for media and all that, which also are not great sources of messaging. And then it gets bigger and it's our peers. And we say, oh, OK, well, they must know what they're talking about. And I think that's the beauty of getting older, you know, right. is that you finally realize these people don't all know what they're talking about. And they're coming from their own pain, as you said, their own insecurities. But also just it doesn't what the ultimate thing, the ultimate reality is your belief about yourself. If somehow you believe that you are the most beautiful, amazing person, then it's true, you know? Right. And I thought is that when we're seeking validation from others, truly the only person's acceptance we're looking for is our own. Because it's like we have this little, it's as if we have this little switch that if I just get enough validation, then I can flip that switch on and my myself will say, okay, you're finally good enough. You can finally stop looking in the mirror every day and asking if you're pretty yeah. because, but the problem is that nobody can flip that switch except for us. Right. And no amount of external validation will allow for that. It has to be an inside job. It has to be us that finally says, yes, I am. And it's such a disservice that we do this because we all have so many beautiful, wonderful traits. We're all meant to be celebrated. It's almost like our world here is upside down. It's like yes. we're, we're, we act as if we're supposed to be, you know, harsh on ourselves and reject ourselves and self-destruct and betray ourselves. Why? I, yeah, it's, it, that's what always brings me back to connecting with people like you and having these conversations is it's time to flip our world right side up again. have to because again you think the powers that be kind of they created all these structures if we're powerless if we're looking to them for validation if yeah. we believe what they're telling us that our bodies can't heal themselves and that we can't make money doing what we love and that the only way to survive in this world is to sit up straight at school and listen to the teacher and then go get a job that we hate that lasts till the rest of our life and buy a house that we can't afford and marry somebody and have some kids and then we're easy to control but you yep. try to control the person that says, well, you know what? I'd rather be homeless in Hawaii fishing from the sea and sleeping under a palm tree than play by your rules. Well, that person you're not going to control. And then the next person that's like, you know, I'm just going to take a backpack and just go travel around the world or live in a third world country and teach English. You're not going to control that person. And so suddenly they can't control us if we start following the messages of our own heart. Yeah. And then once we start following those messages... We get pretty instant feedback that we're on the right path and, and then we're harder and harder to control. Yeah. And I have a knowing, I feel that I have a knowing that that's inevitable, that we'll right. reach that place where we all remember because it's the ultimate truth. Right. Right now we're living in the ultimate lie, <laughs> which is that we're not good enough and that we need to earn our worth in this lifetime. Right. We need to earn a living and all these things. They're fake false notions and the truth will always come to the surface. So I try to see this time as a fascinating and invigorating challenge, right? It's we've been yeah. given the craziest of circumstances. We're in the most upside down right. of places. So let's have this adventure of recalibrating and getting ourselves back to our ultimate state, which is freedom and, and enjoyment, you know? And I think that a lot of it is based in first you have to see 
right? The first step to, to healing anything, whether it's at an individual level or society, is identifying the problem. Yeah. And it's just what you spoke to, Renee, is that we live in a world based in fear rather than love. The right. second we switch to love, everything changes because we stay in fear because we, we're fe we feed into it. You know, we can all get angry and mad as we all do, but we are the ones that perpetuate these cycles, these corporations, these things that have told us you need to be dependent on us. You cannot trust yourself. You need to be in fear about, you know, whether you will survive, whether you'll thrive, whether you'll be rejected. Right. But the more of us that become aware that these were always lies and that we live in fear because of these lies, we're going to slowly start to release from that. And when we stop giving our power to these systems, they depend on us. They don't exist without all of our agreeing to them, right? right. And I do think they're falling. I think that's all the chaos that we're seeing. And yep. I think that I think that we incarnated, all of us incarnated right now to witness this change. Yeah. It's not an accident that we're here. Mm -hmm. And I think those of us that do believe in magic and miracles and divine plan and all of that, that we're light beings here in human bodies for a human adventure, we have to start speaking out more and more to that so that we can find each other and support each other. Yes, absolutely. And I do want to also offer that those who connect with what we're speaking to and have felt this way, that to have compassion for yourself, because when you are a light being, this is a very heavy place to be yeah. and to feel these, have these experiences and feel like you're being completely disconnected from what you know deep down is true is a, a very challenging thing. Right. Well, and I was really struggling with that even until recently. And then I had this kind of come to Jesus talk with myself and I was like, honey, and my self-talk used to be so mean, like you idiot. And now it's like, sweetie, honey, baby. And, you know, and I'm like, honey, you knew you were incarnating into this. And I'm saying this for every single light being that's listening. We knew we were signing up for this. Like there was a point where we were told you're about to go into this really dense realm and you're going to be there to witness all of this and to watch it transform. And we said, yes, put me in there. And then we came in with this incredible skill set of being highly sensitive beings that, yes, this realm tells us we're too sensitive. And yes, it makes it hard for us to be out in the world all the time. But when we can flip it and be like, these are my swords and my arrows and my gun, like this is my arsenal, this highly sensitive yeah. Which means that I can walk into a room and know instantly if I shouldn't be there. I can sit on a train and know instantly if I should get off the car. Yeah. I can even feel ahead of time, do I feel light around the event I'm saying yes to going to or do I not? And not go. And so we have this incredible arsenal of weapons to protect us in this realm. And then yeah. to say, we chose to be here. So no more, and this was the talk I had my, with myself, no more sitting around at home whining about how hard it is out there. Yeah. Like get your ass to this third world city and go be in the chaos and just marvel at the chaos. And then while yeah. you're there, notice all the hearts that are painted on the walls and the love. And, you know, I was noticing signs that say love and blessed and magic and miracles in English in a country that speaks only Spanish. You know, but then you go, oh, I'm meant to be here. I'm here for a reason. I have a lot to offer and I'm not meant to be like everyone else. I am a highly sensitive being. So I just need to honor my own needs and kind of like in the matrix, get in, feel good, get out. You know, they get in, they have the awesome outfits, they get shit done and then they get out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all this is. Yeah. There's no. And I think it's when we feel so disconnected from that knowing of who we really are. 
that it gets the hardest is because we're like, right. well, shit, am I just stuck in this hellish place? Because right. I would say, I believe that heaven and hell are a state of being, a state of experience, a state of right. mind. But if you have like a barometer and here's heaven and here's hell, like we're pretty far into the hell zone, I would say. Because okay. to me, hell is when is like repression of freedom. It's feeling, it's believing that life is conditional, right? Mm -hmm. Just as we've talked about, you are not worthy unless you are not lovable unless you are not good enough unless you do not matter unless this. So we're stuck in this where we're freaking scrambling for our lives. And over here, when we can like move this needle into heaven, we all those chains break and we realize what now what are we going to do with life? Realizing that we're just beings that can create we're ultimate creators. We can create whatever we want. What are we going to do? Right. But people have decided that power is very important. They've realized how to keep power. And we're fighting against that. But luckily, we have autonomy because, as I said earlier, as each of us release ourselves from these cycles of giving our power away, we move in that direction of uh, heaven on earth. Right. And, and the more of us that start doing that, people are going to see. And I believe that's the power because... I personally feel a lot of people talk about raging against the way things are. But when I have a visualization of the way that life can be, it's literally us unshackling ourselves and just gravitating towards something. And I think about if you were surfing one day at the beach and like people are like, oh, I don't want to go in. It's too cold or whatever. But then you see someone go out and they're just cruising this wave and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to get out there. Right. And I feel like as people move into this more free bliss state of life where they don't have these restrictions, you're not going to have to force people to do it. They're going to naturally gravitate because they're going to see it and say, ooh, that looks nice. That looks yeah. fun. That looks more peaceful. So I want to stop fighting for my value and my worth and that I to prove that I matter and move into a state where I know it inherently. Yeah, I wish that for all of us. And I think yeah. also instead of pushing against what we see out there that's so wrong, for some of us, it's our divine calling, right? And you know it in the core of your being that you're meant to go become a lawyer and fight for human rights or whatever that is. Yeah. For the rest of us, we can say if we put our attention on something, does it make us angry? Does it make us depressed? Does it make us hateful? Then it's not our calling to push against that. It's our calling, like you said, to turn towards the light and walk in that direction and then be one yeah. more person holding the light. And that does more for this planet than any being out in the streets screaming and waving signs could ever do, I believe. I believe the power of our intention creates more of whatever we give our attention to. And so we must turn to what brings us joy and adds light to the sum of light. Yes, absolutely. And I also think that the more that we connect with the things that bring us towards this higher state and this more freeing states, the less that we feel disempowered. Because that's also a huge thing happening on our planet is all of us look around the world every day and we say, there's so much corruption and chaos and destruction and violence and misery and suffering. I'm just going to give up. What I'm just one person. I can't do anything. But that's how we stay disempowered. And people know that too. They know that when you send the message constantly that there's right. nothing you can do, it's too bad that we're all just going to heal over. But when you recognize each single one of us has an entire universe within us, we're very powerful things. When we make our personal decision to live a certain way and have a certain experience of life, that in of itself is a movement towards a new way, a new life. It's very much impactful. It is. And I was smiling as you were saying that because I got this super strong image of how the Grinch stole Christmas <laughs> and how those hills. Perfect timing. 
you know, and how they could have just hated the Grinch and they could have decided to go on a manhunt to kill him. But instead, there's that beautiful scene where they all stand around holding hands, singing, and that beautiful song that they sing. And then that image of the light that they create from the song and how it just lifts up. And Christmas came just the same. And it wasn't about packages and it wasn't about presents. And it was, and you see, like, instead of being going on a manhunt after what is, quote, evil, they just turn towards love. And it's so healing that it heals the evil. Yes. And it sounds naive, but it's not naive. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly powerful. No, and I know from my own life. Yeah. And that is such a powerful message. I'm glad that story exists because we we need that messaging. But it is the notion that just because you can find peace and love, you don't need anything for that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, I think it was a messaging that we've got so caught up in the culture of consumerism and thinking that we need things and that things make us happy. But that's never it. It's the only thing that ever is real is a feeling because your feeling is your soul. Right. And we make get excited about things because we receive something. But again, it's just eliciting something that was already always there. Yeah. So we can stand around holding hands and feel just as much bliss as we would showered with external gifts and pleasures. And yeah, so I, I hear that. And I always appreciate that about the Grinch. I don't know about you, but I remember as a child, like certain stories like would touch my heart like that. Like I was like, there's something there. Before I, I was connected with spirituality, because I don't know about you, but I grew up, my my grandparents were very religious. My parents were kind of like, oh, we're not going to go along with that. But we also don't have any real beliefs otherwise, right? Okay. So I didn't have a strong spiritual background as a kid, but I little things like that, I would feel it in my heart. It was like that that's real. Like there's right. something there. It would bring like tears and stuff when I was young. And it happens to all of us because we're all right. human, right. but we disconnect from that because I mean, there's also a lot of messaging around love is weak. Emotion right. is weakness. We don't have time for that. Life is very serious. Right. Let's not like that. Oh, that person's a flake because they want to talk about feelings and emotions. And I think that's also a means of keeping people in control because then they don't want to get into their emotions because they're like, well, that's seen as not a value and not importance and you're going to be looked down on if you're in that space so i don't want to do that and that goes back to the witch hunts when the inquisition right because women who are basically saying listen to your heart and yeah the divine let's burn them at the stake and call them heretics you know it's just yeah and i've spoken about this on the show which is that i think a lot of us a lot of women still we have that generational trauma within us and we still feel is it safe to speak is it safe to act and to bring forth the things that i believe are true are real and i think we still have an inclination to pull back but the reality is that it is safe to speak we still have a lot of strong forces against us but we're not going to necessarily get burned at the stake or taken to the guillotine if we speak our truth and say what we believe is real and bring our gifts and so it is an amazing time in that way is that we're not out of the darkness, but we're in a space where we can generate more of the light and be and not be dragged away for it. And I had tremendous fear when Still on Fire came out. I was having this tremendous fear with the first interviews and I could not figure really? out what it was. And then I realized it was past life flashbacks of being tortured and killed for speaking out against mass consciousness paradigms yeah. and speaking out towards the divine and magic and miracles. And then I had to have those talks with myself, honey, it's safe. Worst case scenario is people hate your writing or say bad things about you, but that's not being 
burned at a stake. Yeah, absolutely. Fact, I think that my acknowledgments start with a quote that about that, about how we're so afraid to speak because people won't like us, but people don't like us anyway. So it's better to speak. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. And it, but I find that is, it is a hard part of becoming a creative artistic entrepreneur where you're putting your work out there, whether it's a book or a piece of art or dance or music, whatever it is, there's a vulnerability because you're literally putting your essence out into the world. But then again, our world has created this notion that you can be rejected. That's just something we've created. You, I mean, a free world is a place where everything is shared openly and is received and appreciated. We only have such criticism because we live in a very reactive world where we're afraid to just let everybody be. We feel like we have to guard ourselves and protect ourselves and we have to covet. And we have that scarcity mindset where it's like, well, there's not enough. Like you can't be doing well. You can't be successful because then I can't be successful. So it's so much fighting. But the more we move into this place of every single human being has something, has their own light to shine. Right. Then we can recognize that every single person is needed to create the whole mosaic, which is life, which is the most brilliant thing we could ever see which is Renee sharing her book and me sharing my book and my pockets and my thing and someone else sharing their voice and their song and their creation and not feeling like we have to push someone away or climb on top of someone. And we're probably at the height of that right now in our world, right? Where we all feel this desperate competition where it's like, please, God, let me make it. Please, God, don't let me be one of the have-nots and fall to this despair. But the more that we recognize that it will be safe someday to all be together in this, Right. And to all shine and to all not be climbing, but just walking together. Right. It's going to be brilliant. And I truly believe we're on our way, but we're at the highest point of cacophony of just everything fighting against and the state of disarray. But sometimes I heard once an analogy that somebody had like a bunch of singing bowls or something in a room. It was something like that. And they were all, they had went to like the highest levels of discord. Like they were so off and like nothing was working together, but by themselves, they knew how to start resonating at the same frequency until after a bit of time, they all became this harmonious, perfect sound. And sometimes it takes complete discord to create cordon, right? To create things running together. And I feel like that's what someone like you and I, who have also had a lot of challenge in my life, that we know that sometimes you have to go to the farthest furthest lengths of challenges and discord in your life to finally find your way back and have peace. Yeah. Wow. Well, Renee, this has been such a beautiful conversation. I knew we'd have a great talk because you're amazing and your book is so fantastic and I connected with it so much. I'm so grateful to have you on the show and to share these ideas together. I'm so excited for your work and all that you will do from here. Is there more in the works? Is there more that you're bringing out? I have a third book. So I I didn't even realize this. I was down in Argentina finishing Still on Fire in April. And I realized that another book was coming through me. And that's one of my favorite places to write in the cafes of Buenos Aires, just being an anonymous woman down there. And so this third book is called Twin Flames. And so, yeah, I'm thinking it will come out within a year and it will be divine timing. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. Is it about divine unions? Like twin flame it unions? It is. Yeah. And the difference between soulmates and twin flames. And- oh my gosh. Well, I'm going to have to have you back on the show to talk <laughs> about that because that's a whole nother bag of worms. But that's a fun one. That's, you yeah. know, that's fun to explore is how do we connect with those that we're most highly aligned with and can have the most heightened experiences with? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I'd love to be back. I loved my time with you. Thank you. Wonderful. All right, Renee. Well, congratulations on everything. Congratulations on this place where you find yourself and greater peace and being able to go with the flow and enjoy life. And thank you for sharing that with others because we all need to speak to that and help others know that it does get better and that life can be a beautiful experience and not just feel like a prison sentence. I don't know why I'm feeling called to say this, but for people listening that are like, oh, it might just be easy for you, but I have this job and I have this mortgage and I have this blah, blah, blah. And I am being called to just say, you know, we can always do something crazy, like give it all up and go join the Peace Corps. You know, there are options. They're just radical options. So if you're feeling totally and utterly stuck in some situation, just open your mind, say universe for the next week. I'll entertain any radical option. Just shove it in my face and you'll be shocked at what appears. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's another reason to read your book is because you've had so many amazing synchronistic and coincidental, of course, they're not coincidences, but events that have happened because you've been open to it. I was mesmerized by some of the things that you said would come as soon as you declared that you wanted to do this or thought of this. It's remarkable, but that's how the universe works. And to your point, doing something radical We often don't do that because, again, we're told stay in your lane, stay in this box, don't wander out because then everything, your whole security might be compromised. You better stay in line. And I think that's also where change comes is where more of us decide, I'm not going to stay in line anymore. You know, I'm not going to hurt anyone. I don't care to impact anybody else negatively, but I'm going to take some risks and see what this true life experience is really about. And I think we're all going to start to recognize the truth is very different than what we've thought. Yeah about life and ourselves. All right, Renee, well, I appreciate you so much. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate you. That wraps up our beautiful conversation with our wonderful guest. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Waken podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with others and come back for more. If anything you heard resonates, leave a review or send me an email at Whitney at And check out the website, womenwaken.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Don't forget to let your light shine and to keep an eye out for your special gifts and magic.